Although I'm a doctor by profession, I'm not your doctor. All content and information on this podcast and on our website is for informational and educational purposes and does not constitute medical advice and does not establish any kind of patient-client relationship by use of our site. Although we strive to present accurate information, the podcast and website are not a substitute for your healthcare provider. Always consult a healthcare professional who knows your particular needs and circumstances before making any health-related decisions. Also, there are curse words that are unedited and graphic descriptions of bodies, bodily fluids, and other real-life scenarios that might make some listeners uncomfortable. Yeah, I said it. I'm Dr. Suzanne Ciotti. And I'm Becca Hammer. Welcome to the Perimena Podcast. In today's episode, we talk about your bones. As you may have noticed, your hormones play a significant part in every single part of your body. So you're not going to be surprised that your bones are being impacted by your wackadoodle hormone shifts. When it comes to hormones, it's funny. I don't know about you. Well, not you, because you're a doctor. You heard about it all the time. Mm -hmm. But I used to hear about osteoporosis all the time. I remember at one of my offices back in the mid-90s, we had a health fair. They had this little machine, and you stood on it, and it measured your bone density. Mm -hmm. You were encouraged to drink your milk and get plenty of big D, Mm -hmm. which is vitamin D for all you cronies (laughs) out there. (laughs) And really pay attention to your bones. Do you know what I've heard about bones since then? Nothing. What gives? Nothing. It's topic of the day, and then silence. What's happening, Suzanne? Right, right. I know. We have talked about a lot of issues regarding menopause that seem to affect some women, but not all women, right? I mean, some women have hot flashes, some people have hair loss, uh, So, but not everyone. But this topic is one that affects all women, decreasing bone density, also known as bone thinning or osteoporosis, happens to all women after the last period when those estrogen levels fall. So everybody, it's the, even if, everybody. Even if you've been drinking your milk, even if you've been, even if you had a great bone density scan back in your thirties. Right. Even if you had a great heel uh, bone density heel. back in your thirties, heel, it won't be, um, it won't, will not necessarily reflect upon what you have right now in your fifties. And when we look at graphs, it starts right at with that last period and then goes dramatically downwards, especially that first 10 years of, uh, after menopause starts. So it affects all women in the first 10 years of menopause and you don't even realize it until it's too late, until those bones have gotten far too thin. So there's no symptoms of those bones getting thinner. You don't have any pain necessarily. It's not related to the arthritis you might have. And you don't get pain until you get that first fracture uh, with osteoporosis. A big deal. I'm falling apart internally and I don't even know it. You don't even know it. So usually what will happen, the type of fracture involves the hip that's that all uh, that I've fallen and I can't get up. Uh, <laughs> usually we follow the time, but we don't get a hip fracture 
or you can get spontaneous vertebral uh, compression fractures. Those are the bones of the spine that stack one on top of each other. And then just gravity causes them to push down. Maybe you cough or sneeze and that causes a fracture. So that's but that's not for a long, long, long time. That's not yeah. for a long time, right? My grandma gets those, right? Right. It's true. If you're, it's not usually until you're in your seventies or eighties, but we do see evidence of those bone, the bone thinning, even in the fifties, sometimes earlier, depending on if you have another predisposing condition that might cause you to get osteoporosis. So the sooner you start therapy, the better your bones will be in the long run. So it's it is kind a good of therapy. thing. To, Physical? Therapy? Yeah. Well, actually, there are medications. Uh, there are some things you can do with lifestyle, and we are gonna open that nut and peel back the layers today. <laughs> Like an onion. All right. 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 I like an onion nut. I mixed metaphors there. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Yep. And like I said, all women have the most loss of their bone density the first 10 years of menopause. And this bone loss is significantly decreased if you're on estrogen replacement therapy. It helps tremendously. It was. It's one of the biggest benefits of uh, being on estrogen replacement Another benefit of estrogen. My Another God. Another benefit, right. You know, the thing you had before <laughs> that you don't have now that mm-hmm. impacts absolutely everything. Check. Right. Yep. Understood. That's right. <laughs> and and maybe you don't realize this, or maybe you do. You re- you've maybe heard about how hip fractures really impact us as we get older. They're a real big deal. You may have heard this happening to maybe a grandmother, an aunt, uh, where they've fallen and they broke their hip. And the reason why it's such a big deal is because the mortality or the chance of dying from all causes after a hip fracture are high. So even if you, it feels like that's a not a fatal thing, it's a bone, it should heal fine. But actually 21% of people will die the first year after a hip fracture uh, when they're, when you're older, when you're over 70 years of age. And that's only if you've had surgery. If you haven't had surgery, then there's a 70% chance of dying if you haven't had surgery. Say you're not a candidate because your lungs, you have trouble with your lungs from smoking in the past, for instance. So in addition- Okay, but look, everybody is getting hip replacements. So it's not really a problem because, I mean, I swear to God, I don't know anybody over- over 60, 70, that doesn't have an artificial hip at this point. So can't I, (laughs) if I get an artificial hip, am I safe from a hip fracture? Well, in that hip, technically, because we're ha- you have fracture in the neck, and that's going to now be titanium, so that's harder. <laughs> but the, it does have to be attached to the bone in your pelvis, the bone in your femur, and if you're getting osteoporosis, those bones are also thinning and are are prone to fracture and and having trouble with the, the areas where that um, where that artificial hip is attached. So it still is an issue, and you could still have spine fractures if you have osteoporosis a problem so. for every solution that i bring to you isn't it suzanne you just right. yeah, it's a every everything i think is a solution you tell me why it's not really good it's not a cheat it's not a workaround <laughs> right not you can't all get hip replacements in our 50s instead of taking medicine or watching okay. your bone density 
<laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Fine, so, fine. and the, you know, the other reason it's really important to be addressing it earlier on is because even if you can take medicines, they never grow back this beautiful scaffolding. It's like a ladder or network, a bridging of bone that's back in the, the structure uh, of that bone. Uh, it, those spicules, we call them, they're kind of bridges. They, they actually break apart. And then the bone doesn't have, the new bone doesn't have anything to attach to. So keeping that scaffolding in place earlier on is important to keeping the bone from fracturing. However, we do know that a lot of these medications, even if they don't help that scaffolding, still do help prevent fractures. So we do know that there's data that they work to prevent fractures. So, so, what, I, so what, I hear you, what I hear you saying then is that um, as I get, my bones get thinner, even if I don't, if I, if I break, if I break my hip, I break my you know, have a spinal fracture, it's not even going to heal a hundred percent because I don't have this scaffolding capability within my right. bones anymore. That's right. We really see it in the, so we really do news. see it quite a bit in the spine. So when you look at a woman who's had a, a, a vertebral fracture, the bone goes from looking very square to kind of looking triangular, like it wedges because part oh. of it, like the front part of it smashes down and it uh, doesn't, doesn't really grow back. So that's why a lot of women get that dowager's hump, which is actually where you kind of hump forward a hunchback, uh, uh -huh. or they lose height. You know, you when we measure them after, you know, menopause, they'll start losing a quarter of an inch a year. It's because they're having I've these lost, small compression I think I'm getting shorter now. Aha. Uh -huh. And I think I'm getting, I think I'm shorter. I don't know. Right. Yeah. Right. Well, some of it definitely as you get older is related to osteoporosis and small fractures. So, so, so if you can't feel it and it's not for 20 years that you're going to have a fracture, how do you know where you are? Right? Yeah. Uh, exactly. Well, we have a trick for that. We have a, a device that we use uh, that it's a radiology scan called a DEXA scan or a bone density scan. So it will measure the bone density in specific areas of your spine, especially the lumbar spine and the hip that typically get fractured and give you, uh, it'll uh, calculate for you a percentage risk of fracture based on all this data. It's usually recommended to get this for screening at age 65. So most women okay. wouldn't even have had it uh, offered to them until that age because that's yeah, when we so definitely start start looking at it. Yeah. So you just told me that the <laughs> ten years after your last period are the time when you really fall to shit. But then, and then that's about sixty five. So most of the damage has been done, and then they say, "Hey, you can go. You're sixty five. You can get a bone density scan." Did I hear you right? It's an interesting <laughs> paradox, isn't it? <laughs> and definitely, one word for it. you know, we do have some criteria. There's some calculators we use uh, sometimes earlier on, like in your 50s, when we know that you're considering estrogen replacement therapy that will calculate if based on, or if you, have you been on medicines that decrease your bone density when you were younger? Are you a smoker? Do you have a family history? Are you underweight? So this is one of those cases where being overweight actually protects your bones. It's a good thing for bone density. So <gasps> Finally winning. <laughs> yes, that's winning. 
Uh, yep. So, so that we do, can calculate and then say, Hey, you have the criteria. We need to go ahead and do the bone density earlier. Uh, and we'll go ahead and do that. And so I, like I said, risk factors are strong family history of osteoporosis or fractures. Cause some women maybe never even knew they had osteoporosis, especially who like your, our grandparents, uh, when they were in their seventies and eighties, there might not have been offered it at all. Uh, oh, exactly. They might have just had exactly. a hip fracture. Uh, hyperthyroidism. So if you've had a history of, of really overactive thyroid, it can affect your bones. If you've had to use a lot of steroids in the past because of a medical condition, like you had lung disease or rheumatoid arthritis, for those, sometimes we'll use a lot of uh, steroids. So that might be something that really uh, affects your bones. Or if you've had celiac disease or, or IBS, that affects mm. the absorption of vitamin D, big D, and calcium. <laughs> <laughs> so that might have resulted in lower bone density. Uh, you've also may have had an increased risk if you took Depo-Provera, uh, birth control, which is just progesterone control. only. Yeah. yeah. So Depo-Provera. Now that's why nowadays we say you can only take it five to six years, but there were definitely in the years in the past, we didn't make that limitation. Yeah. Uh, so, so you said long time. What is long time? If you took uh, five to six. For a long time. Yeah, More so five, five to six years. years. Yeah, so there are some women out there, you know, uh, at this age in their 50s, 60s, who might have done that because we didn't start yeah, recommending that for 10 years. Yeah, Gosh. exactly. Right, right, right. If you had female athlete triad, so that's what? an interesting phenomenon. That's women who are really, really stellar athletes, uh, maybe, you know, Olympic style, really big athletes who stopped having periods. Um, that puts you more, so at your athletic low bone density, you also uh, stopped having periods and you have low estrogen. That The third part of that triad is osteoporosis. That predisposes you to osteoporosis. So, um, so that's something that, that might, something we'd want to screen for too, or you might want to mention to your provider that that had happened to you. You had a year with no periods cause you're a real big runner, uh, when isn't you were in your twenties. Isn't that the height of irony that you are <laughs> at the quote top of your physical game mm -hmm. and the damage you're doing to yourself? Nobody ever talked about that, do they? No, like, they no, really no. don't. Yeah. <laughs> right. That's wow. right. And then there are some unfortunate women who had to have a, a hysterectomy, a complete hysterectomy with their ovaries removed in their, say, their, their early 30s because of a condition like endometriosis. Uh, so that will predispose you towards this early surgical menopause that also can make you uh, have lower bone density going up into your 40s and 50s. So yeah, those are, you, that's another risk factor. If you had early, if you had a surgical menopause early in your thirties or something like that, aren't you almost always on estrogen replacement therapy right after you've had that? You you'd kind of hope so, but the problem is that there has been <laughs> so, so much bad press, uh, of course, about estrogen stimulation of cancers uh, that some women are too afraid to take it, or they have a family history of breast cancer, so they didn't take it, so they suffered with mm -hmm. menopause uh, even in their thirties. 
Um, so, so this can be a tough thing for sure. So if you did have a, a hysterectomy where you did not have your ovaries before the age of 45, then, then you might be more predisposed. So if you have these risks, you might get your bone density much, much sooner than 65. Or if you're just trying to decide if you want estrogen replacement therapy, you might be able to request getting a bone density. So you can factor that into mm. deciding, gee, do I want to take estrogen or not? So it's almost always in the pro category when you're kind of weighing the pros and cons of is estrogen replacement the right thing for me? Almost always that benefit to your bones is going to be there for everybody uh, for that estrogen therapy. Okay, so that was just a boatload of depressing things that you just told me. Like, <laughs> I mean, you know, it, not only is it going to happen to everybody, we're all going to get this thinning bones as we get older. But if I've had any of these things like Depo-Provera, um, celiac disease, family history, ugh, it's right. probably going to be even worse. So mm -hmm. could you just give me some good news for the love of God? Absolutely. So totally... <laughs> Now that you know about it, you can do something about it, right? You can be aware of it. You can prepare for it. You can ask about it and make sure that you're getting the right screening tests and, and decide that can help you decide if you would like to take estrogen. So like I said, estrogen is a super consideration for prevention because you can take it starting with that last period and prevent that really rapid decline. You might still have a little decline. It won't be anywhere near the velocity that it would be if you weren't on estrogen. Uh, if you're past that 10 year period, then estrogen isn't gonna really weigh into a consideration for treatment. It's really something that prevents the bone loss. So uh, we don't really think of it as building bone back. So once you get into that uh. osteoporosis range, it's probably time to think about something that has data that we know for sure helps prevent fractures. So, so that, that's, uh, you know, that's one of those things to consider when you're considering estrogen therapy. Uh, but so most of the people listening to this are still potentially in their late 40s, yeah. early 50s, and they right. have not, the, the ship has not sailed for them right. at all. That's right. Because it's really that time, like, I've had my last period, of course, I don't even know it yet. 12 mm -hmm. months goes past, I'm considered in menopause, boom, now is the real consideration because the clock has started on... Right on my bone thinning. Okay, good to know, good to know. Right, so we kind of talked a little bit. There are some things that you could do that we do know definitely help your bones. So so making sure you're getting adequate vitamin D, big D, big 2,000 D. to 5,000 IUs, which is really high compared to what the recommended daily allowance for the general population is. So you really don't typically get too high of levels of vitamin D because uh, you can get toxic from vitamin D where it's way too high, um, that when your calcium level gets way too high, if you're taking, for instance, 50,000 units a day, Eesh. but 2,000 to 5,000 units are okay. And then getting a calcium intake of 800 to 1,200 milligrams, which part of it can be from your diet, maybe all of it from your diet if you're a milk drinker. Uh, <laughs> so that's a consideration. Uh, and if you are taking it you as a supplement, you have to really do it in divided doses. So, which means that oh. you have to take it several times during the day. You can't really take all 1200 milligrams at one time because your colon doesn't really absorb it. So you have to divide it up either as diet or as a supplement. 
And so now that's for calcium, but what about the vitamin calcium. D? Can I get vitamin that all D at once? all at once? That can be all at once for sure. Good forms of vitamin D and calcium. One of them is called Viactive. It's a little like caramel or chocolate chew. And so it's kind of like a little treat you can give yourself <laughs> that has both calcium and vitamin D together. And if you take one in the morning, one in the afternoon, that's the perfect amount of calcium and vitamin D. So that's, that's, a, that's a nifty way of getting it. And then weight-bearing exercise, that's really important. Sometimes we tend to want to do a hike or, you know, a bike ride or something like that. But definitely in our 50s, we have to get more diligent about making sure we're doing weight-bearing exercise about 30 minutes, three times a week. And you can do that with upper body weights. You can also do it with rubber band exercises or resistance inversion exercises are helpful for building mm. that, that bone density or muscles in your bone density. You could just add small weights on your ankles uh, or wrists when you're walking. So that helps load your spine and your hip as well. So, um, so those are some things that can be helpful. Avoiding caffeine. Caffeine can be bad Stop. on the bones. I know. <laughs> uh, and uh, yeah, like I said, for the prevention of osteoporosis, uh, one of the most compelling reasons to take estrogen in the long term. So you might uh, you might decide that you just want to go ahead and take the estrogen to help protect your bones long term. Yes, so, let me talk. Let me ask about that. Okay, so yeah. I have decided. Yes, I want to go ahead and take estrogen. I am. I I think I'm in that in that time period. I think I've had my last period, but I'm not sure. But I think I want to go ahead and start taking estrogen. So let's say that I take estrogen replacement therapy for five years, just for, for fun. Yeah, there, for five right. years. So when that five years is up, does mm -hmm. the clock start again for my bone thinning to start then? That's a very good question. And I think that it seems to be the worst uh, that first 10 years. So Potentially, it could be. Uh, although, when you think about it, in the long run, we have a limited lifespan. You know, we won't live forever. <laughs> so you've delayed that bone density five more years. So you might, you'll be older before you get osteoporosis. Uh, uh, so maybe you won't be, you know, as prone to falling per se. But um, okay, so you're... then let let me just re give you a different number. So if I took it. For 10 years, and yeah. then I stopped. And so what I hear you saying, and correct me if I'm wrong, is that after that 10-year period, I'll still lose bone, but it won't be at the rapid level that I would have lost it had I done nothing. Right, right, exactly. Okay, or you, that's that's absolutely right. You you won't have in the long run. You won't have a, as low a bone density as you would have if you hadn't taken it for that 10-year period of time. And, that's and true. So Thinking about a lot of episodes that we've had before, let me just, again, do some clarification here. So what kind of estrogen replacement? Am I taking a pill? Can I do it with a cream? Is it any estrogen is good estrogen? Or for bones specifically, does it, do I have to um, consume it in a certain way? You know what? Uh, probably any estrogen is helpful. Uh, we don't have studies on low, low doses of estrogen, so which are what some people elect for. That what has been studied is 0.625 milligrams of, of Premarin. Uh, that's a, a form that is kind of standard. That's what the Women's Health Initiative uh, 
you know, participants had been on. So we do know that the middle of the road dose of estrogen typically is really good for bone density, but probably any is really good. So, uh, so we don't really have studies that, that, um, factor out what particular dose you are on. So any will be beneficial. And one okay. thing I should say too, is the vaginal estrogen that we're using for some of that dryness, it might not be as good unless you're doing the E-string or the ring, because we do know that that gets high enough levels in the bloodstream. So you might not be getting quite as much uh, in your bloodstream that to protect your bones if you're only, only doing a vaginal cream, that's estrogen. Let me clarify. I've had my last period, it's been 12 months, I'm considered in menopause, and if I take estrogen, do I still have to take progesterone because I have a uterus? Yes. Bingo. If I, as long as I have a uterus, there will never be a time when I... <laughs> right. <laughs> right. If you are taking estrogen, you will be also taking progesterone. <laughs> okay. That oh, is fine. correct. Fine. Just double checking. I want to clarify right. things. Well, and say you're not, you're not so keen on that idea of estrogen. You know, you don't really don't want to take it. You're worried about that, that part of it. What are the other options? There's some other pill yes. options that we can use. So, so we can talk about those. The ones that we are really prescribed the most that are first line are called bisphosphonates and they're Fosamax and Beneva. One of them actually for prevention of, of uh, osteoporosis, you take once a week, which is the Fosamax. Beneva, you can take once a month. For month. Uh, once, a, once a month, you just have to remember to take it. <laughs> oh, I don't <laughs> even have to go it's... into a clinic to get it injected. Like some no, of it's just oh, a pill. Mark. That's right. Okay. Yeah, they they're interesting though the way that you take them. I should just well, I just want to mention because you do have to take them on a completely empty stomach, and you have to take a drink. You have to take them, drink a big glass of water. Uh, and stay upright for 30 minutes. So you can't just take it and go lie down and you can't eat anything in that three thirty minutes. So you have to stay upright. So that that's to, to uh, prevent the heartburn side effect and helps uh. with the absorption of it too. So, so it's a little tricky the way that you have to take it. Okay. But still, There's, for once a month, I can go without eating for 30 minutes. Mm -hmm. Right, <laughs> right, <laughs> right. There's also Evista which is uh, another, it's called a CIRM, S-E-R-M, uh, or an estrogen receptor modulator. And it okay. helps uh, spine density, but not the hip. So if you know what? you have a family history of dowager hump and spinal fractures, for instance, that could be one that you would consider. It's also helpful because it might protect against breast cancer. So, uh -oh. so if you do, you're one of those people that's like, ah, I'm worried because my mom had breast cancer. This one might be an option for you. Okay. So how does it know? To, okay. I'm, call me, <laughs> call me simple. I right. accept. How does it know to build up your spine, but not your hip? I, you know, it's a super good question. It has to do with the affinity of the receptor, like that estrogen. It's a receptor. It must be a little bit different in the spine because we just know statistically it doesn't seem to work in the hip. I don't, I'm not sure we've worked out what happens with the receptor particularly, if anybody's really needed to look at that. It doesn't matter quite so much unless you're trying to develop other medicines. Um, but, uh, it, what matter really matters is the end result, you know, whether it really helped your bone density or not. Uh, yeah, so sure. I'm, I'm not sure we know for sure of okay. why, why that is. 
Fair. But it has to do with the affinity of the receptor. Well, good. I don't feel so stupid now. Right. (laughs) (laughs) We don't know everything. (laughs) So another one is reclassed. It sounds like that's a. It sounds like a Pokemon, right? Reclassed a little bit. <laughs> it is. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, it's, it's a replasticine once... is the lower one, and then reclassed is what it evolves to. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, I think you just described the generic and the brand name. <laughs> they work the same way. Uh, so joking. Once a year, it's an infusion. So it's one that you actually have to start an IV. You have to go to an infusion center and they'll, they'll give you that, that medication, but it's only once a year. Uh, there's other ones called Forteo and Timlos. Those are injections. And those are once a day injections that you do for two years. And those are typically done by the patient themselves. They just Wait, learn what? to do the injections. Yeah, 365 days times two? Times two, exactly. And that's just I, one of those things we learn. We, you learn like like if you had to take insulin as a diabetic. So, but why so the hell would I do that over doing these other ones that I'm doing like <laughs> once? <laughs> oh, and some of it is like the Forteo, maybe you don't want to go to an infusion center. Certainly, Fosamax and Beneva, those seem like ones that you would want to elect yeah. to do first. But the people whose bone density continues to go down on Forteo and a Beneva will sometimes add forte or timlos or people who've had a fracture will use these medicines so because we know they work so well to actually reverse that bone density they're so so good they work really quickly so if you already have some fractures in your spine one fracture there's a good chance that the one the the vertebra next to it is getting ready to fracture so something that's going to work really fast is helpful right (laughs) (laughs) fine you just sold me on it all right There's another one called Prolia. That's a once every six month injection. And a lot of times that's one we'll do in the doctor's office. She'll walk in and we'll give you a, a Prolia injection because that's to be deep. So, uh, so once you know that you have osteoporosis or osteopenia, we'll just keep rechecking that bone density every two years uh, when you're on treatment. And then women who are just getting their bone densities for screening, we just do it every five years typically so you just introduced a new word because we've been talking about osteoporosis so what's osteopenia okay yeah so osteopenia is like mild osteoporosis it's the phase that your bone density is in before it gets the full-blown lower bone density of osteoporosis so and there's something called the t-score which it seems like i'm getting pretty technical when i if i tell you this but that's what that's the the report result a t score that helps us know where which where you are in that range and if you have a t score that's minus 1 to minus 2.5 it's osteopenia greater than minus 2.5 is osteoporosis but that might be more than you need to know unless you've already had a bone density and and, and have mm. thought about these terms So I know this is a complicated topic. There's lots of things to consider. So what we'll do for you is provide a calculator tool in the episode notes, and you'll just be able to click on this hyperlink and look at the FRAX uh, risk assessment guide, which will look at, have you been on medicines? Have you had hyperthyroidism? Did you have early menopause? What's your age? What's your height? What's your weight? Because if you're lower bone density, that's important too. 
So, and it will give you a risk assessment for fracture later on in life. So take a look at that in our episode notes. That is really cool because it can help women understand, like, especially if you don't necessarily have a lot of like past history and you don't know, like if your grandma or your mom was suffering with it um, and you can start doing something sooner than later. So Mm -hmm. definitely hit the website to look for that link and take that little self-assessment quiz. That's right. And that's, that's the www.theperimenopodcast.com. Yep. So, so that's kind of, that's basically it in a nutshell. It's kind of a shorty, but it's so important because it's so related to this time of life. And I don't think a lot of people even think about it until their doctor says, oops, time, you're 65, time for your bone density screening when maybe they could have done something or they've decided, heck, I don't want to take estrogen therapy for other reasons. So it is in a consideration though. Oh, for sure. And again, this is one of those ones that I think going back to it, what's really important is what you said straight out of the gates is that this isn't an if, it's a when. For Mm -hmm. every single woman listening to this, you are going to have bone thinning, no matter how Mm -hmm. healthy you are, no matter how much vitamin D you take, no, no matter what. There is a time once you're, once you are in menopause, that you got a 10-year window where your bones start going to hell. And Mm -hmm. you have the chance to do something about it. Number one, estrogen replacement therapy, baby. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I mean, so from what I heard you say, it really, really works in helping to protect bones during that really fragile 10-year period when things are going sideways with your bones. Estrogen replacement therapy can really be something that takes care of you until that 10-year period is passed. Mm-hmm. For those ladies out there who estrogen replacement therapy is off the table, you have options too. It sounds like that the pharmacopoeia has done a tremendous amount of work getting a lot of different options for drugs for to to take for women who if you know you have a history, if you've got if you were on Depo-Provera for a long time in your youth, if things are happening where it's like, yeah, you're definitely a candidate. There's good drugs out there as well. Mhm. Right. An excellent synopsis. That's an excellent <laughs> synopsis. You bet. I'm a good. I'm a very good listener. <laughs> um, I just want to make sure to remind everybody who's listening that all of the drugs and um, and acronyms and things that we've talked about today are also going to be on the website. So remember, in any single episode, we have a roundup. We, we talk about any drugs that we talk about, any um, uh, dosage recommendations that we talk about. We always put those on our website at www.theperimenopodcast.com. And you can always go there to look things up um, or uh, that you can take to your provider and to open a conversation. Preview into our next episode then. The next time we meet, we are going to get to the topic that so many of you are so interested in. Or, sadly, maybe you're not interested in it at all. It's sex, right? (laughs) Sex is a part of all of our lives, I hope. (laughs) And whether you are wondering where the hell your libido went because it's gone and (laughs) it's Mm -hmm. fallen and it definitely can't get up. (laughs) Um, Or whether... You're not having sex because sex is like the most painful, horrible thing you can do right now. There's a reason for that. The good thing is there's a 
there's something you can do about it as well. So tune into our next episode. It's going to be a two-parter where we talk about your hormones, perimenopause, and el sexo. If you would like to visit our website where reference material and links to other podcasts are held, please visit us at www.theperimenopodcast.com. If you have questions, comments, thoughts for another episode, please feel free to send us an email at theperimenopodcast at gmail.com. Find more episodes wherever you get your favorite podcast. Please do us a favor. If this information has been helpful for you, please like us, write a review if you're so inclined, and most importantly, share this podcast with another sister so she can be informed too.